Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Salt Church Podcast. Okay, let's stand for the benediction. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we're not done. Thanks, RJ. I was like, yeah, we're done. You know what? Let's stand and pray, though, because uh, I believe that the Lord has something for us, not, not for just Saturday, but for right now. But we've got to have an attitude of, recept, of receiving. So let's ask the Lord to help our heart to be ready to receive. So, Father God, we stand before you in your place. with expectation of what you desire to do even now. Lord, if we're standing here and and there's something that we have need of, physical, spiritual, financial, relational, any need, Lord, I don't want us to wait till Saturday. Uh, We're ready to receive today. Have your way with us even now. May we submit to your plan, submit to your will, submit to your word. Bring our hearts into an alignment with your word. Bring our bodies into an alignment with your word, your word of healing, your word of, of, uh, of um, forgiveness, your word of truth, your, your word of love. Lord, I pray against the, 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 um, the tendency for us as our flesh to, to become lazy, uh, to wander, to to um, not engage with you, with what you're saying, with what you're doing. Let us engage our minds, engage our hearts, engage everything with us, engage our being to come into connection, spirit to spirit, heart to heart, even now. Have your way with us, Lord. Lord, if we have a tendency or if we have a, a, um, uh, a temptation uh, to turn our face away from you, Slap me, hit me, and bring me into connection. For it's in your name we pray. Amen? All right. Amen. You may be seated. If you prayed that with me and uh, I see a tick or something, I'll, I'll know. I'll know you were about ready to drift. And the Holy Spirit said, they prayed, slap, bam. Could just imagine Michael, Gabriel, some of the angels standing in line. Send me this time. I'm ready. You know, I want to hit someone. Okay. Praise God. So uh, this, I don't know if you're aware. I don't know if uh, how um, open or media conscious you guys are, but I sent out a video this week saying that this was Vision Sunday. Um, I don't think it was very well. I didn't get many likes, uh, you know. <laughs> Nobody likes me. Um, but this is Vision Sunday. What what that means is, I got one woo. That was that chapter over there is like woo. I believe God gave me a word for this region, and I'm going to share that word at the end of the service. And, you know, maybe I'll pray that prayer again right before I give the word so everybody can get slapped and get revitalized and ready to hear and to receive. How many of you find it sometimes difficult to receive? People up here, just four of us? Wow, I'm going to, next time I'm having difficulty, I'm going to call you guys because 
Chris and I went to this conference this week. It was a uh, fantastic conference, great worship, great speakers. Um, we had Richie Seltzer here a few weeks ago, just rocked the house, right? It was at his, his ministry. Not, it's not his ministry. He's one of the many staff involved. He wasn't able to speak. He wasn't good enough. Just, I'm just kidding. He wasn't asked to speak. Um, but it was very, very powerful. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when you set aside time to like just, I'm going to meet with God, I'm going to uh, um, set aside a few days. Some of us don't have that luxury, but we got that luxury uh, to set aside Monday through Thursday. And I'm trying to hear from God. And I was just about ready to say, he's not speaking. Well, actually, I wasn't listening. I believe God is always speaking. And I sat through this awesome service. Then another one, then another one, then another one. You go to these conferences, there's a, there's a morning, second morning, afternoon, second afternoon, and evening service. So one day would, would be five services in one day. And it was about day three, I think. Well, first of all, I wake up with my lovely bride in this hotel room, and she says to me, what's God saying to you? And I gave the patented, very noncommittal answer, oh, he's just, you know, some personal stuff. Uh, he's like, you know, I, there's some things, you know. I thought it was a good answer. You know, like she goes in and gets dressed. She went to the bed, she took a shower, she comes back out, and, and, and she's she's got the, that look that is, I, I believe it's something that happens on your wedding day. Like women get this like briefcase of looks, you know, and it's like, you don't have to talk because you look so loud. You know, uh, anyway, uh, she gave me the look. Why aren't you being intimate with me? And I'm like, typical guy, look. What? Like, don't do what you're talking about. You know, I, you, you, you obviously hear from God. Why aren't you sharing with me? And I was honest. And I said, I, I, I'm not hearing from God. I don't know. I, I, I actually don't usually have that issue. Uh, but something about that extra little kick in the pants, so we go to the next service and I'm petitioning. And my prayers, you know, at the beginning of the week was like, Lord, I'm here. I'm here. Speak to me. You know, that morning was like, Lord, you heard her. I'm like, I got to have something. Like, I, you know, like, she's going to beat me, Lord. Like, so he spoke. I heard, I should say. So I, I kind of want to share that with you. You're involved in this, by the way. He did share some things with me, for me, but he shared a lot of with me for you, for us, for everyone, this region, this, this area. So, but before we get into that, I just wanted to share some testimonies from the week. Is that cool? We good with that? We got to see some awesome miracles. We got to see some, this is a pastor's meeting, a couple hundred pastors. 
uh, you would think that, you know, in a pastor's meeting, you'd, you wouldn't have so much need. There's need even amongst leaders. Amen? Uh, one guy one, that was there, pretty cool testimony. Uh, I don't think anybody prayed for him. I don't know if it happened during worship, during whatever. Uh, he had no, zero hearing in his ear. And bang, all of a sudden, he could hear. Nobody was talking about healing. That's how awesome our God is. You know, it's like, oh, I'm in the presence of the Lord. Oh, bang, I could hear. One of the, one of the guys that I kind of somewhat connected to, didn't meet him individually, but just in the way he presented himself when he spoke, he was a, he's a pastor in Georgia. There's a Dawsonville, Georgia revival going on right now. I don't know if you've heard about it. I didn't hear about it. Uh, but he was there, and he was speaking, and he said, we are in uh, week 279 of revival. 279 weeks. That's more than a month of revival. And what he did, he was a Baptist. I, I, the way he presented himself, I'm not even sure if he's a Baptist anymore. I, I don't even know. But he said, well, I'm a Baptist. We don't get visions. But he had a vision. What do you do with that? Stick that in your theology suitcase. But he's walking through the sanctuary, and uh, he's praying. He said, uh, I was dry. The church is dead. I don't want to, you know, I think he was the one. I heard so many testimonies. I get them all jumbled up in my brain. But I think he was the one that said, I did not want to attend my own church. Let me tell you, that's not a good place to be. You know, like some of you guys are like, oh, I'm getting kind of bored with Al. He's kind of a dork. Uh, I'm going to go over to this church. Well, you can't do that if you're the dork, right? I mean, like, it's like wherever I go, there I am. I just can't get away from me. And he said, I don't even want to attend my own church. But he's, he's in there and he's seeking God, petitioning God, trying to figure this thing out. Lord, I'm tired of it being in a dead church. And he's walking through the sanctuary. He sees this empty baptismal. And the Lord said, he said, I didn't see. He gave him a vision. And he said, the baptismal was empty, but in my vision, it's not. It was filled with water. and There was fire on top of the baptismal. And the Lord spoke to him and said, we're going to baptize. We're gonna, there's lots of baptisms coming up. And I'm going to meet people in the water. That's what he said. So he thought in his Baptist brain that, oh, we're going to get a lot of new Christians in this church. Turns out that wasn't what the Lord meant. He meant baptized people that are already saved. Again, in the Bible, there was multiple baptisms. It was not a baptism of repentance. It was not a baptism of salvation. It was a baptism of fire and of the Holy Spirit. And so he started sharing all this stuff that was taking place at the meeting place. In the water. And we got to see some of them. It was super cool. They videotaped their miracles in this church. I know, like, this is Salt Church, right? I mean, we're passing clipboards. Like, okay, <laughs> we, we'll, we would probably be in, like, revival week number 400 before we even dawned on us. Maybe we ought to videotape the miracles that God is doing in the house. But they were, they were well advanced, and they were videotaping these things. And we got to see this boy. He's like 10 or 11 years old, legally blind, glaucoma, cloudy fate, cloudy eyes. Goes down, comes up, boom, no cloud, could see perfectly. Hello? Boom. 
And when you see that, there's just something. On the, there was a woman that had a PET scan, stage 4 cancer. They showed a picture of her PET scan, and if there's a black mark, she had uh, breast cancer. If there's a black mark, that's cancer. Something's not right. Well, she wasn't at the beginning where there was a black mark. She was at the end where there was 500 black marks. They showed a picture of her, uh, of her PET scan, and it was, it was just like, boom, littered with cancer all throughout her body. The doctor was saying, you know, you're going to die. And they still wanted to monitor it, so they scheduled her for another PET scan. She goes, I'm not doing another PET scan until after I go meet with, go to, go to this service. So she goes to the service. She goes down. She comes up out of the water. She says, I met with God. That was Sunday night. Monday morning, she got another PET scan. They showed a picture of the new PET scan. Zero marks. Zero. One woman was in a um, car. Is this okay? I just want to share a couple testimonies before we get into the word. So, all right. Caitlin loves it. We're moving on. This one woman, I, I think it was a car accident. She had part of her femur bone removed, uh, four or five, or maybe it was even six inches. One leg was extremely shorter than the other leg. She goes down into the water, and she comes out, and her, not only is her leg strengthened and whole, but it's the same length as the other leg. She's divorced. Her ex-husband, who's not a believer, she calls him, or he must have taken her, she gets into a, a car with him, and she's now got, like, a captive audience for four hours, she said, with her non-believing ex-husband to not only share the miracle, but to share, this, share the gospel and pound him with Jesus for four hours. She's an ex-wife. She knows how to pound. Like, I'm telling you. Like, she's like, bang, 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 bang. This man who was deaf out of one ear, it started, he didn't get healed in the car, but he started like, it just planted those seeds. And there's other things I don't want to get into right now, but bang, within a couple of days, he applied the faith that she had given to his ear, and he could hear. He probably didn't want to hear in the car, but, but two days later when she's in her own home, he's like, oh, I can hear now. Praise God. Miracle. Miracle. Mir God is a God of miracles. That's what God does. And sometimes we don't like. All right, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's, let's share some scripture and I'll get back to some of the other miracles. By the way, that boy that was 10 or 11 that had glaucoma, he goes under, he comes up, he says he could see. The very next video clip they shared was the boy hitting a baseball. It's awesome, because that's what he said. He said, I want to be able to play baseball. All my friends play baseball. And he got to hit the ball. The very, I mean, I don't know how many pitches it took, but it would have taken me probably about 50. Turn, I want to share the vision that God has for us, but I want to put it in context, and the only way I know how to do that is to tie it to Scripture. And so turn to Exodus chapter 33. I'm going to go a little bit out of order. I'm going to start with verse 12, and then I'm going to back up 
to verse 1. Share a few verses along the way. This is um, after the Israelites were freed from the bondage of Egypt, from the bondage of being in slavery, and before entering into the promised land, before entering into receiving the promise. By the way, I think that's one of the reasons why the Lord gave me this scripture for today is because he gave me a vision, he gave me a promise. And there are certain things that need to take place before we can enter into that promise. And it could be intimidating, it could be a little bit unnerving when you hear this vision that I want to share to think, uh, uh, this, I don't know, and some of you guys are like detail people. I'm not. I'm a vision guy. You detail people. Actually, you detail people don't, don't generally drive me nuts, but I guarantee I drive you nuts. Like, it's just the way it is. You know, Erica is a detail person. She works, she helps me. You know, but if you could hear, if you could see the text messages back and forth between Eric, I don't want to offend her. She's here. <laughs> if she wasn't here, I would offend her. Um, I'm just going to make something up just to kind of give you like the, the concept of this. Um, I might say to Erica, Erica, could you please, uh, I don't know, dig a hole in the side yard. Text message back. Where exactly? Text me. I don't know. In the side yard of the church beside Maple Avenue. Text message back. How big? I don't care. Text message back. How deep? Still don't care. Text message back. What shovel would you like me to use? Just find a shovel. Text message back. I found three. Which one? Does not matter. Text message back. Did you want that done today? Dig the hole! Like, so, I mean, but that's how she's built. That's how I'm built. She's got to love me. It's a mandate. It's a commandment. You know, love thy enemy. You got to. So, thank you, Erica, for putting up with me. Yeah. Moses is getting a text message from God that says, dig the hole. Here it is in the actual translation, I mean, in the, in the Bible, as opposed to the gurneology that I just vomited out. Okay, verse 12. Then Moses said to the Lord... See, you say to me, bring up these people, but you have not let me know. Let's just stop right there. That's the, that's the issue. That's the problem. You told me to deliver these people, but you did not let me know which shovel to pick. How big is the hole? How, where, how, what, 
Haven't you ever had that when the Lord tells you something and you're like, well, I think you could have been a little bit more detailed in that, Lord. Like, I'm not exactly sure exactly what you mean. Like, how's this going to look? How's this going to work? How, you know, God told this pastor, fill up the baptismal, I'll meet them in the water. Well, wait a minute, Lord. Like, um, Monday? Uh how am I going to get the people? Lord, you're trying to get me fired? Like, I'm a Baptist. Like, we don't baptize people outside of salvation. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? And the Lord didn't say anything. He said, just obey me in what I've said. I'll meet them in the water. Lord, I, I need details. Details. I need to know, like, where, where is this magic water? You know, I just feel like the Lord is like, just fill it up. Just listen. Just do. Actually, he says, Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. translation, Lord, I have nobody else to blame if I don't have somebody here to blame. Lord, I'm not going to, I'm not going to accept the invitation to this party unless I know who else is going to be there. You didn't let me know who. Isn't it enough to just know God's going to be there? Isn't it enough to just know that he is the originator of the invitation? Isn't it enough to know that Almighty God is the only one you need? All right, so that's point that I was trying to make, point number one. I don't know how accurate or how it came across, but God doesn't tell us all the details. Our job is to not be in charge of the details. Our job is to do what we've been told to do period. Sometimes we think that we know more than God. Don't look at me like that. You guys do this too. It's not just me. You know, how many times, how many of you guys have said, Lord, are you sure? What's that mean? Lord, are you sure? What do you think? Lord's going to be like, oh, yeah, maybe not. Let's do, let's not do that. And you really think God's going to say that? I want you to go and pray for that person over there. Lord, he looks ugly. I, I'm, I don't, like, pray for what? Uh, Philip, I want you to go find the man in the chariot. Was that it? You know what his response was? Acts chapter 8. He got up and he went. He went to where the man was supposed to be. And when he saw the man from a distance in a chariot, God then speaks again and says, run up to the chariot and present. I think that, that was it. Just run up to the chariot. I don't know if he said present my name or whatever. I don't remember exactly how it was. But he ran. He just ran. 
up to the chariot. Are you ready to hear the vision? I'm not ready yet. Turn back to, to verse 1. Sorry. Just like try to slap you back into verse 1 of the same chapter, chapter 33. Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here, from here, and you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give it, and I will send my angel before you. Is that, a, is that an awesome thing? Would you like to hear that from God? Listen, this is what I want you to do. And in order to secure you in doing it, I'm going to send my angel before you. Is that not great? Not for these guys. These guys mourned, wept, rent their clothes. They were very discouraged and upset that the Lord said he'd send his angel before them. You know why? Because they were used to going with him. He goes on to say there was sin in the camp. He goes on to say that I can't come with you. He actually says, if I were to be in your midst, you'd be burned up. In other words, let me put it in my way of thinking. You haven't prepared yourself to be able to withstand the presence of the Lord. I can't go. If I go with you, you will be consumed. You will not be able to withstand my presence. So I'm going to send an angel instead. on Moses' behalf, this is where he's like, okay, I'm going to pick up my stuff and I'm going to make a tent over here outside of the camp where I can meet with God. If God's not in the midst of the assembly, I'm not in the midst of the assembly. If, if God's not going to meet me here, I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to go where God's going to be. Isn't that an awesome response? It says in verse... Uh, Seven, Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meetings. This is where he plans to meet with God. God can't be in the midst of the people, so he's going to go outside of the camp to meet with God. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle... Now, all the people rose, and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass, when Moses entered the tabernacle, that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. Tabernacle means meeting place, gathering place where God is. It's a tent. It's not a permanent place. This is not talking about the temple that was to be built several chapters later. It's talking about while you're not there yet, while you're in still entering into the promised land, while you're still wandering around, I'm going to have a place where you can meet with me. So he does it. It's called the uh, tabernacle of meeting. Verse 10, all the, the people saw the pillar of clouds standing at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose and worshipped, and each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses. This is at the meeting place. This is in the tabernacle. This had to be an awesome time for Moses. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face. 
as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. His protege, the next man in charge, the one that was going to take over after he's gone, he says, I'm staying here. You can go back and do your dealings with the people. I'm staying here in the presence of God. Everybody else, they could see it from a distance. Interesting fact. None of them were not permitted to go, but only one went. They were not given the instruction, you're not permitted to come to the meeting place. But only Joshua went with Moses. And it was so powerful, he refused to leave. Awesome. Do you want to meet with God? Do you want to host the presence of the Lord? It takes work. Moses had to pick up the stuff. Carry. I, I think he probably had help. I don't know how big the tent was. I can't, I'm sure it's recorded. I just don't remember. But, dude, we put up a tent in our backyard for gurney camp, you know, for the grandkids. And it takes me a little bit of finagling and figuring out to put up a stupid little tent. It's almost 90% done, right? These guys probably were carrying stakes and hammers and Levi jeans. I don't know what they were carrying. Like, they were carrying everything outside the camp. And by the way, at this time, this was a camp of 3 million people. He didn't walk 15 feet and said, I'm going to set it up here. He probably had to walk three miles with all the gear, all the stuff, and everything that it took, all the work that it would entail. And everybody was standing there going, where are you going? What are you doing? Why are you filling up that baptismal? Why are you doing a healing service on a Saturday night during Cory Fest? Dude, do you realize what day it is? Like, nobody's going to come. And, and, the, and there's a... Here's part of the work. Here's part of the work. I was listening to the, the head of this ministry that we went to. His name's Dr. Randy Clark. He stands up and he speaks and he's talking about his hero of the faith, John, his hero of the faith, John Wesley. You've heard of the name, John Wesley. And he was talking about John Wesley loved to read the scriptures. And he loved to read the the the, the patriarchs of the of the of the gospel, the, the, the writers and like what they thought, what they said, what they did, and even, even the next generation, like the disciples of the original disciples, he would read some of their books that was recorded. And there was something that, that um, John Wesley talked about. It was a concept that's not even talked about today. It's not even mentioned in today's church. He called it deification. The original disciples of the disciples wrote about something called deification. And deification just simply means to be godlike. In other words, when you get saved, when you follow Christ Jesus, when you ask him into your heart, the journey, the steps that you are to take is to be more like him. 
And for some reason in the American gospel today, we got, we got this idea that it's grace, it's grace, it's grace, it's grace, it's grace. Listen, I'm for grace. If it weren't for grace, there's no way we'd even be able to, like, be here, okay? I'm for grace. But there's something about becoming deified or to becoming more like Jesus. Becoming more like Jesus does not mean that you're not in grace. It just simply means that because I have this grace over my life, I've been set free to become more like Jesus. I am now able to be more like my Savior because I'm walking and living and operating in grace. John Wesley, at the end of his life, who wrote tons of books and stuff, he changed the phraseology. He stopped using the word deification because everybody started getting confused. Oh, I thought there was only one God, and now you're trying to be God. No, you're not trying to be God. You're trying to be like God. Totally different, but you know as well as I do that people mess things up. So he changed the word from deification to sanctification. One of three things. Sanctification or being perfected in love or being baptized in the Holy Spirit. In other words, one of the byproducts of being baptized in the Holy Spirit is to be more holy. To be more like Jesus. To be more like Him. To be more like Christ. That's something we don't preach. It's something we don't talk about. And in the midst of all of this language that he was presenting to us, Dr. Clark says there is this uh, Brazilian pastor that is the head, he is uh, the lead pastor of uh, one of the largest churches in Brazil. I forget how many people. Tons of people, a little bit more than Salt Church. And he said, Dr. Clark said to him, this big guy that had this gruff voice, I don't remember the name, but he said, how come is it when you guys do a crusade and people get saved, and I come back a couple of years later, all those saved people that were saved at that crusade are still in your church? And when I do a crusade, this is Dr. Randy Clark speaking, who is a, has a tremendous ministry, an awesome I mean, I could just go on and on and on about the healings and the miracles and everything that takes place under his ministry. He says, when I do a crusade and people get saved and I come back a year later, only less than 3% are still there. Less than 3% of the people that got saved. In other words, if I, do, if I have 1,000 salvations in one service, 1,000, I'll come back a year later to only, what's the, 30 Right, Dale? Okay, thank you. Only 30 people are still there out of 1,000. What's the difference? Because they all still are at your church. That's why you're one of the biggest churches in Brazil. Because they don't leave. And in his big husky voice, does, hello, he says, uh, I can't even fake a big husky voice. Okay. All right. He says, you Americans, this is what he says, you Americans, you Americans, and he just laughs and shakes his head. You give enough of the gospel, you give enough of the gospel to get them forgiven, but you don't give enough of the gospel to get them free.
I want this region. I always say region because this church is more than Corey. We've got people here represented from Sparty, Clymer, Sherman, Erie, Sagertown. This is not just a Corey thing. But part of the work, I haven't even given you the vision yet. But part of the work of the vision is to be sanctified. Part of the work is to become, this is probably not good theology. You, you could probably find ways of proving this sentence wrong. But part of the work is to um, make yourself, because we're really the temple we're really the meeting place, the gathering place of the Holy Spirit. Part of the work is to make sure that we host the presence of God without burning up. Like we're able to do this. And we're not able to do this because we're more holy than the last generation or some other place. But there's still work We've got to pick up the tent pegs. We've got to be able to move. We've got to be able to put up the tabernacle. But guess what? You're the tabernacle. You are the one. So when Moses is outside of the camp, in my mind, that means outside of the normal way of doing things, outside of doing things the way everybody else does them, going outside of the camp and putting the tent pegs in and putting up the whatever the tents were made, of, I don't know, camel skin, I don't know, Putting everything up. Why are you laughing at me? What do you think? Okay. Putting up everything and all the work that gets involved. There's work to be done. This pastor that's at Dawsonville, Georgia, uh, talked about miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle because he walked in this sanctuary and he had a vision. He said the vision lasted maybe eight seconds. Even that was impressive to me. I'm like, eight seconds? Eight seconds? Are you sure you weren't just like, are you on medication? I mean, like, I mean, what do you mean? It's got to last longer than that for me. Because of a vision that he had for eight seconds, they've been in revival for 279 weeks. And it's not just, we're having, uh, we're having extra services for two. No, it's they're hosting the presence of the Lord. And he stood up there and he talked about all of these different miracles. And he talked about everything that was going on in Dawsonville, Georgia, which I Googled it. It's smaller than Corey. Hello. And he said, I'm going to give you the secret to this. He was showing all these slides on PowerPoint. This, this guy got healed of cancer. This guy got healed of uh, being deaf. This guy got healed of uh, blindness. This guy got healed. You know, this, this lady's leg grew five inches. You know. All this stuff was going on. And he and the next slide he said, and here's the secret. Here's the work. He even turned to us as leaders and pastors and he said, you're not going to like this. And then he proceeded to show about 15 slides of people on their knees and praying.
He said, we do one miracle service a week for 279 weeks. We do one miracle service a week, and they have thousands of testimonies. We do one a week. The other six days, we pray. I did a sermon uh, a couple, several months ago on the persistent widow, and I was talking about that. And it was very easily to be misunderstood, or to, to, to not actually convey the accuracy of what I was trying to communicate from that particular parable. I was not saying, I was not saying that we don't pray. I was saying that when we do pray, it is not a list that we check off and we just go and say the same thing over and over and over again, thinking that the multitude of the times in which I pray will influence what God is doing. No, what I am saying is that we pray. I think, are you, do you want to do the work? Do you want to pick up the tent, the tent pegs and the hammers and the, everything that goes along with it? Because I don't think Moses did that by himself. I think he had help. And this guy was, I'm just telling you, I know, I'm, I know that it took me three days before my wife, whose favorite scripture is, speak the truth in love, which is a great verse if you're the one that has the verse. It's not such great a verse if you're married to the one who has the verse. It's a very simple word. There's no details involved in it at all. That's why I started out at the end of the chapter as opposed to the beginning. It is, this is the vision. It is 100% God's desire to transform this region. It is 100% God's desire to transform this region with miracles, with healings, with salvations, with his presence. And that will not happen unless you're willing to put in the work to not be overly consumed. <laughs> I heard this uh, fire department in this, not in Cory, in this city that wanted new fire uh, helmets. They were expensive. They had the comms built right in, you know. They were the top of the, you know, top of the level of the fire helmets. That they were like super expensive. So the city decided ah, it's worth it. We're going to do this thing. So they bought all these helmets. But the issue that they didn't realize, for some reason, the people that manufactured these helmets didn't test the temperature, and the helmets started melting on the heads of the firemen. And they could talk about it. We, I can't put us in a position where we're going to host the presence of the Lord but have our heads melt off. We've got to be ready. So it's not about how many times can you pray this particular prayer, but it is about making sure that we're connecting with the Lord. 
if we are ready to host the presence and see the, what God desires to do, to transform. And by the way, when I say transform this city, instantly what comes to my mind is people's eternities that were going to be spent in eternal damnation are going to change to be spent in eternal paradise. If you get healed of stage four lung cancer and go to hell, who cares? I believe that God desires to have these miracles and healings take place so that we can display his gospel so that eternities are changed. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to create a schedule in which there is an opportunity to pray for one hour every single day here in this house. And I'm asking you to come and pray one hour a week. If your schedule doesn't fit with the schedule that I come up with, then you can figure it out and come a different hour. I don't care. That's the mandate. I want. That's the work that needs to be done. If we're going to put on these helmets and not have our heads melt off, then we need to be ready to host the presence of the Lord. And so I'm going to ask that this take place. So I'm, 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 I know I'm running way past my time. I don't want to be a church that is not setting people free. And the only way I know how to set people free is to connect them to the Lord. I can't do it. You know, there's a really positive side benefit to this thing. This pastor stood up and he said, I don't remember the last time I actually finished a sermon. That's good for you. The presence just fills. He's like, I guess, I guess I'm done. Start just praying for people. So I'll come up with a schedule, but I'm, I'm asking, this is a big deal. This is huge. Are you willing to change your schedule? Some of the men of this church are meeting already right now, and you know when they decided to meet? Five o'clock in the morning. You know why? Because nothing else worked. But they're doing it. Amen? All right, stand up. I'm going to pray because I know I'm beyond time, but I'm going to send out a video this week to talk about this a little bit more. And I'm going to ask you guys to give an hour to prepare ourselves I can already feel that I can already feel the daggers in the room. It's like you, you dork, you jerk. I already give here, I already give there. You tell me a year from now when somebody is standing, I don't think we're gonna be doing baptism. Well, maybe we are. That was prophesied actually. We're gonna have a lot more baptisms. But I don't, you tell me that somebody comes up here as stage four cancer and they get completely wrecked and completely healed that giving up an hour a week wasn't worth it. You tell me that when we're standing in like the NA meeting in heaven, which is just kind of an anniversary because nobody's going to be hooked on drugs in heaven, that it's not worth it. Someone's not going to be standing there saying, yep, I am in eternity and paradise because you guys hosted the presence of the Lord. I'm just saying it's worth it. 
you're only on this earth for so much time. It's called a breath. It's like a, just a hand breath in the body. It's just a moment in time, a wisp, it says. And then we're going to have all of eternity. I don't know about you, but I want somebody in heaven to come up to me and give me a brand new car because I prayed for them to get saved on earth. Like, remember that time when you prayed? I was a benefactor of that. Here, have a brand new car. I'll probably say, why do I need a car? I could just go. But that's a whole other story. Father God, I pray that you fall on us. I pray that you give us uh, the ability or the, the fire to fulfill the mandate that you have set before us. I know, Lord, that it is your desire to transform. It is your desire to heal. It is your desire to perform miracles. It is your desire to be, to rest, to, to have this meeting of tabernacle in this place. And I know, Lord, you're falling all over the world. You're falling in Brazil. You're falling in Kentucky and Georgia, Texas, California. You're falling everywhere. Lord, fall on this place. May this region be changed. May this region be transformed. May we host your presence. May we be ready. May we have like this mandate that you're coming and we'll go for it 100% full force. Help us, Lord, to train because I know it's not a foot race. It's a marathon. But we desire to have more of you. Thank you, Lord. Let it start now. In Jesus' name. Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for being patient. It is a quarter after 12. So the kids have already been released, by the way. Some of them are running down the street. Go grab your kids. I don't care if you leave with the same kids. Just leave with the same number. If you brought two, take two. See you next week. Thanks again for joining us on this week's episode of the Salt Church Podcast. We're grateful you spent this time with us, and we hope the message today has moved you. Please be sure to join us again next week for another episode of the Salt Church Podcast. God bless, and we'll see you next time.